everybody. Good morning, guys. This is uh, this is Miles Boyer and the Photographic Collective podcast. And uh, and y'all, uh, usually I have like this long intro that we kind of dig through about the purpose and uh, and where we're headed with this podcast. But today I kind of want to get right to it. If you're over on YouTube, you probably already see this and know this. If you don't know this guy. Um, you should just drop out of the industry right now. He's he is he's the face of everything that's cool that's happening. He's also a really good friend of mine. So I've got Ben Hartley um, with with us on the call today. What's up, dude? Hey. So hold up, we're on YouTube, so I can't just like mid conversation take a big chug from yeah. this giant jug of water. So so best practices for a podcast. <laughs> uh, should I have told you that prior? <laughs> No, this is great. I, I think I, I knew this. I knew this. I knew this. Um, here's the plug, you guys. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know already, Ben is over on YouTube with his shirt off. So this is not this is not true. <laughs> oh, that's you're right. That's that's uh that's ill-informed. Um yeah, so so let, let's back up just a, a hot minute. I wanna I wanna we're gonna dig into all of your backstory and who you are and cool. and how you have like scaled the ladder. Um, you've honestly been, to be honest, you kind of have created your own ladder, which is a really special thing to watch. But a lot of people, I think, um, have found this podcast through your podcast, which is oh, a special fun. thing cool. for me. Well, yeah, because I was a guest on your podcast. And so mm-hmm. it's fun for me now to be able to kind of flip that on you and and uh, and make you feel awkward and uncomfortable just like you did to me. <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, man, thanks for having me. This is a, this like it's really special to be here, and so thank you for just inviting me on for having this conversation. I'm excited to see where it goes. Anytime I'm having a dialogue with you, it always we always end up somewhere that I'm like, huh, I didn't see that coming, <laughs> but I'm always down for the ride. So appreciate you. I uh, I feel like that's kind of a common thread in most of my friendships. Um, and, uh, and the fact that we have the same water bottle and that it's pink and green gradient, I think says more about our, the future of our friendship than, than probably any other thing that we could do. Okay. So before things just get too awkward and I bromance on you too hard, I I do want to, I do want to say, obviously, um, y'all that are listening, Ben is, uh, I should give you a proper bio. So Ben is a an absolute uh, force in the industry right now. He's a coach. He's a mentor. He's a social media personality. Um, he is uh, any number of of things of of brands that is Ben Harley. Suppose are Ben Harley. He's an educator. Um, but prior to all of those things, uh, and simultaneous to all of those things, Ben is also a remarkable photographer, um, a really accomplished, uh, award-winning, nationally, internationally recognized photographer. And I think sometimes, I was telling you this before we clicked record, I think sometimes people forget about the fact that like outside of the reels and the podcasts and, and your voice and how dominant that has become in the industry, you know, you've served... How many weddings have you shot now? Oh, man. I don't, I should run a tell. I mean, I've been doing it for 11 years. So uh, we could probably do some math. I definitely have scaled down. Like year one, it was like 40 weddings. You know, I was like, oh, not doing that anymore. Now, over the last probably four years, I've been just trying to stay at like 15. And so, uh, but then I also have the team, you know, like at one point we had five full-time photographers on my team. And so like the company has done more than I've personally done. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's a lot, you know, it's probably, it's multiple hundreds. Yeah. Okay. Well, so let's, let's settle on, let's call it 500. How about that? Let's say five, 500 weddings. I like, that, I like that number. Of. Okay. I was so, going to say 450, but I like five. 500, <laughs> 500 makes me feel happy. So, <laughs> so how did this process, like, like I said, we're going to get to you being a coach and a personality and all that stuff. But, but how did this process for you start? Knowing you the way that, that I do, I feel like you're just sort of an innately creative person. So, so how did like a camera end up landing? These are things that I've always wanted to sort of ask you anyway. How did a camera end up in your hand? Yeah. Well, photography was never the goal. Photography has always been a means to an end. Uh, so my background is in oil painting, like fine art oil, like, uh, oil painting, like old master techniques, uh, that no one really uses anymore. Um, and so like I studied a lot of 19th century oil painters and, and so when I was in college studying this, I was doing a lot of, 
um, like live studio model paintings, you know, like the, have you ever seen the SNL bit where, uh, Will Ferrell, um, he's, he's like a nude model for the, for the class and he keeps talking about his, his bits yes. Yes. and, uh, but anyway, I would Thank be you like for the that. student for in the class. <laughs> I'd be the student in the class, right? Like painting. But the thing is, so the paintings that I, I tend to are all like five foot, six foot, like ginormous life-size paintings. Mm -hmm. And I could never convince someone to stand naked in front of me for that long (laughs) to finish the piece. (laughs) This is is interesting. And so I uh, had to document, I had to take photographs in order to continue the work, you know, after the, the model was gone and I had to continue to work the, mm-hmm. the paint. Um, and so photography, I learned photography in order to produce oil paintings. So yeah. a lot of my studying of, uh, composition, light color theory, um, even posing, it all came from studying the old masters from like the, the, the oil painting space. Um, yeah. And so I took a couple photography classes really just to understand how to use the camera. Uh, but that was, that's kind of the, the background for it all. It's okay. This is, this is really fascinating to me because we've had, we've had a number of people on, uh, on the show now. Well, okay. So like the last episode um, that I, now these are all going to be kind of out of order if you're listening, but the last, um, the last episode that we aired was John Branch and, and John yeah. kind of fell into uh, photography via music. He was a sound engineer. Um, and uh, uh, Jason Vinson sort of stumbled into photography, honestly, as an engineer. He was he was doing engineering mm-hmm. for a f- major food company, just sort of needed an outlet. I- I'm always fascinated by the way that uh, our work is informed by our creative... I don't know if I want to use the word bias, but kind of, right? Our, cr- our creative like sure. perspective... Because this makes sense now. Your work is very creative. Like your photography is very fine art driven. Um, I feel like you were probably ahead of the curve there. Am I, am I right? Well, yeah. I mean, ahead of the curve in that like year one as a photographer was not really year one as a photographer. Like in that I had I had such a strong foundation, you know? And honestly, one of the strongest foundations I had was four years of people tearing apart my work. Mm. Like this is the, this is the benefit of going to school is literally every day you show your stuff and then people tell you, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's critique. True. It's it like so full of reviews. It's critique. And so like learn, but first off you, first off you learn how to take it and not get so sensitive about your darlings. You learn mm. how to be like, Oh, like I could, yeah, just like to, to receive information and to balance pros and cons know what to take hold to and what not take too personally. Um, and you learn to like, um, push past these things. You know, a lot of times I, I see in Facebook groups, like, Hey, gentle critique, please. Or, you know, whatever I mean, like, yep. what is, what is gentle, gentle, constructive criticism mean? Um, and, uh, not constructive. I get it. it's okay. It means, but like, it means not constructive yeah. criticism. Yeah. Yeah. It means like, tell me all the things I'm doing right. And that's good. I think that any sense of feedback should probably start with what's working. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good feedback starts with what is working. Right. Um, but then what's not working and then what could be wanted and needed in order to uh, adjust. And so I think four years of that really was really probably one of the biggest aids, uh, certain composition, lighting, color theory, that kind of stuff as well. So yeah, I I definitely had a leg up in that regard. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me just, Keep rolling. I, I love that your your perspective then is that there's value in in having other people have opinions about your work. I think that's that's something that's like lost. I hate I hate to say it this bluntly, but I think that's something that's lost in our in the photo industry these days. Is mm. there's this like general perspective that like as long as you like it, that's all that matters. And, and I would say like as commissioned artists, now that's one thing if you're, if you're a hobby photographer or if you're like kind of growing your business and trying to kind of figure out who you're going to be or finding your voice. And that's not to belittle those people by any means, but most of us are commissioned artists. We're hired to, to do a job. And so people's opinions about the quality of the work that we're hired to do, I think are really important. Um, and, and, you know, that, that comes down to client experience as well as, as work in general. So 
Okay, so so tell me then about your company. I know you hinted then that you said you you have a pretty large associate photographer staff, but um, when you, when did you start shooting portrait and and wedding work? Well, we should rewind even just a little bit because after oil painting, I still didn't go into photography. After oil oh, okay. painting, I actually went into like motion graphics, uh, TV commercials, animation, and video production, and so. Uh, that's actually even more so how I learned the technical side even further was through video. Um, and to the point of feedback, you know, when you're producing a TV commercial for, you know, like a, we had some cool brands, you know, the Columbus Zoo and the the Mud Hens, the Toledo Mud Hens, like uh, minor league uh, sports teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, you know, the, the, they're, they're investing heavy budgets into getting TV spots produced. It's got to be a 15 second TV spot, 30 second TV spot, 10 second radio spots. And, um, and so there's a lot of opinions. <laughs> yeah. So, and then I'm on a team, you know, so like the video team was me and two other, um, two other folks. And so like, we're on a team to go and bring this about. And I think doing that then for a series of years also continued to just refine, um, uh, just refine my like taste, refine my like eye of of what's good, what's bad, that kind of stuff. Um, and it got me really acquainted to storytelling. So the the fine art side got me very accustomed to light. I imagine looking at like a Rembrandt, studying a Rembrandt, like literally studying it, staring at a, yeah. a, an original Rembrandt and doing a, we would uh, oftentimes produce replicas of old master's paintings. Yeah, cool. And um, just staring at it for hundreds of hours and just looking at the light, looking at like the color, the contrast, the composition, all that stuff. So the first step, oil painting really helped with that. The second step, this step, um, producing 30 second TV spots, 15 second spots helped me to understand succinct storytelling within a very confined, uh, duration of time. Um, and so I did that for a little bit and then the photography business began. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. I, I feel like I'm, you're answering a lot of questions that I've, yeah, I really, I genuinely, I've wondered this stuff about you because I, I see a lot of this in your work and this, this is starting to kind of come together for me. So, um, because you you have this uh, this kind of heavy emphasis in the story. There's what I mean about the fact that I felt like you were kind of ahead of the curve was the sense that um, you've been doing this for long enough now that you like you and I both we we were sort of early on in that charge when remember when they used to call us uh, photojournalistic wedding photographers, right? And it was like, you know, do you, are you hiring a traditional wedding photographer or are you hiring a photojournalist wedding photographer? And those terms aren't really used that much anymore. Um, but I love the fact that like yeah. when I see your work, there is this heavy, heavy emphasis and an important emphasis in the story. Um, but I think a lot of photographers, and correct me if you, if you think I'm wrong here, I feel like a lot of photographers tend to lean one way or the other very, very hard. They're either, they're either artists or they're storytellers. And your work really marries both. No, no, I mean, I, I go, go. I, I, that's, those are my questions is like, how did you get there? Yeah. So I would describe what you said, you said the story, the narrative or, or the, or the art. So I would describe these two qualities as um, either an emphasis on humanity or an emphasis on wonder and awe. And I'm always saying, you know, those are the two emphasis that I've tried to marry is I've considered like, what is uh, foundationally inspiring to people? Like what motivates people, what inspires them when they see art, when they see something and they're just like, whoa, what is this thing? And I've boiled it down. There's a lot of ways that you could splinter this off, but I've boiled it down to these two categories. It's either like it is humanity, meaning it teaches you a little bit more about the human experience. When you look at this photograph, something in you connects to it because of human experience and you're, and you're drawn to it, or it's just a sense of wonder and awe. And when I say wonder and awe, I just mean like the unknown. This is why like these phantasmic, uh, landscape portraits just blow us away yeah. because like we, some of us, you know, I'm, I'm an Ohio boy right now. Like I see these landscapes and this couple on the edge of a cliff and, and it's the sense of wonder and awe of just like, I'm, I'm inspired because I'm seeing something that I, I just like, it's, it's incredible. And it's the same reason why Jason Vincent's work is so, 
like it just gets you. Mm -hmm. It's because when you see light getting shaped and manipulated and, and controlled in a way that it's like, what am I even looking at? Yeah. How is that? That's not what I would have seen. Yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, it's the pursuit of both of these things. And for me, I believe at this point in my career, it's a, it's a bit of like an 80, 20, maybe it's 70, 30, where like, I do believe in humanity over wonder. Like I do, I've started to see that transition. I think early on, I was just all about like all the camera tricks and all the kind of magic it could make. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe lost a bit of that because of technology and, and how easy it is now to do some of these things, easy in air quotes yeah. to do some of these things. And so I've seen my work shift more towards humanity because you just can't, you can't force it. You mm-hmm. can't make it up. There's nothing that I could do uh, to like capture like moments of connection. Uh, and so it's almost more challenging now to me. Uh, and so that's probably why I pursue it. You know, the, the light stuff I can control, I can make happen and I can learn my way into that in a way. And um, yeah, humanity and wonder and awe. Okay. I, I, I love, that's probably the most, uh, honestly, the most succinct way I think I've ever heard it put. I, so here's, here's questions then. Going back to 2000, when, when did you say you, was it 2011 that you started? 2010, 2010, is, 2010 uh, is when okay. I started. So who, who were early influences then for you back then? Like who, who were you looking to? <laughs> oh, these were the days of Creative Live. Miles, do you remember okay. Creative Live? Oh, so much. By the uh, way, they were fantastic. And I learned... Yeah. So I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna go first, even though it's my it's my podcast, Ben. So get in line, dude. <laughs> okay. The, the Joe Busink uh, wedding video, like how to how to shoot weddings with Joe Busink on Creative Live, changed my life. Okay, your turn. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was the Zach and Jody Gray uh, walk through a wedding. Yeah, where they showed that all was their the gear. One that did it for me. The one where they like literally went yeah, through yeah, like yeah, yeah. this. We're gonna do this. We're doing an actual first look live, and it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, they had the little one. like octobox. He was always using off-camera flashes, octoboxes, mm-hmm. and he always had a light meter. I can never get behind with the light meter. I was like, bro, just look at your camera. <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> I feel like that was kind of the charm of Zach, anyhow. I'm gonna, they, I'm gonna get him on here, and I'm gonna pin him down with that. <laughs> Zach, were there actually batteries in that? You can tell me. Like you can be honest, there were not batteries <laughs> in that light meter, were there? It was just a necklace. He no, he'll die on that light meter. That'll be the hill that he dies on. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. No, but 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 bless him. Honestly, Zach and Zach and Jody Gray, that they were they were motivating. Um, and then they're no longer in the industry anymore. Um, but Justin and Mary Morantz, no longer photographers. Yeah. Um, but they were also creative. Life. It was you know I think I was drawn. To, apparently, I was drawn to like. Uh, Christian couples teaching wedding photography <laughs> on Creative Live. There you that, go. That, that seems to be the case. Did you ever watch the uh, the how to shoot editorial uh, with Jasmine Starr? No, I I didn't. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't get into. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, dude. I love. Okay, I, you know, certain again, people like they they attract. I, I'm going on the record here, <laughs> J Star. I'm here for you. I think I feel like I'm supposed to say boo at the end of that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's great. Dude, I love Jasmine. To be I, clear, I absolutely love Jasmine Star. No, I love and just her back early the, stuff. Back then, I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, I'm just not a, okay. Let's just call it what it is. I don't get super heavy into like the the TikTok vibes these days. I it's just it's just not mm-hmm. my like. You have and and I think again, let's get there with it. But you've really embraced. Um, modern photo culture in a kind of a remarkable way. Uh, everything down from like, your work has done nothing but scaled in value and scaled in creativity. Your coaching has done nothing but like rapidly scale in uh, in what you're providing, how you're providing it. And it's radical because the vast majority of it is completely free. We're going to get there as well. But... Um, but dude, I the the reels and all the TikTok stuff, like it takes an incredible amount of energy to be the guy that you are. And and I think you can actually point a lot of that though back to like I think I think Jasmine paved the road for a lot of that for photographers to say, like, hey, you're allowed to have a you're allowed to have a personality in this whole thing. 
Um, no, you're you're right, and that's I think what I love about Jasmine. Again, I never I never latched onto the photography education side of things, mm-hmm. but I loved how she led as an educator. How she would take the stage. I mean, I remember seeing her keynotes a couple times over at a show it. Mm-hmm. Uh, show it was a photography conference that no longer is, um, and just it's so like so bold and like and clean and yet uh, able to do what I call like the, the Willy Wonka uh, like tuck and roll. Um, meaning like when things don't work, do you ever see Willy Wonka when he like falls and then he just like gets up so, and yeah. just keeps going yep. with it. It is like, it just rolls with it uh, to see Jasmine, like, you know, maybe she fumbles through something or so, like something happens um, and just like, bloop, and then just gets up and just keeps moving. It was just like this really awesome dance um, very empowering. Yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you then, because I think that here's something that I think you guys have totally have in common. I would, I would put the two of you in, in a uh, league of your own, um, as being, but, but you specifically, let's, let's just go there with you. One of the most articulate speakers I think I've ever heard. And I had the opportunity at WPPI last year to, to sit front row and, uh, and soak like actually, it's one thing to to speak to a camera. Like it's it's a skill that it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work. But there um, there's no pressure. You can you can record again if you need to, or you can you know you can chop it up and jump cut. You can get creative. Yeah. But to watch you speak, Ben, it was a, it was a remarkable thing because you have so much control in the delivery of your thought in in the way that you process and work. And that is supposed to be a compliment. But I want to hear like how did you develop? How did you develop that? There's this uh, really great cartoon. And in the cartoon, uh, there's a girl, a little stick figure girl, right? And um, and there's another person across from her. I believe it's maybe a, a, an older person. doesn't matter. There's another person across from her. And, uh, and the girl in the cartoon, um, she's holding a painting that she made. And the person that she's talking to is like, wow, that is an incredible painting. You must have a God-given gift. And then the girl just says in the next frame of the cartoon, uh, no, it's practice. And then the other girl says, well, no, no, no. I mean, honestly, you, this is, this is something truly special, like an innate talent. And then the next frame down, the girl's like, no, uh, it's just practice. And then it keeps going. You know, the girl is like, you know, uh, if only I could have uh, the ability that you have. And she's like, Hey, yeah, <laughs> is this practice? Um, something that people don't realize for me, Miles, is like, um, I've been practicing speaking in rather like high intense situations for a long time. And when I say high intense situations, I just mean live. Yeah. Like where there's no, there's no pause. There's no like, er, let's just delete that and cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so within my group, there was two full years that I did a live coaching video for photographers every single day, every weekday, I should say. I don't want to say every single day. Cause I, yeah. I did take off Saturdays and Sundays, five days a week for two years. Um, and the reason I did it was, yeah, let's give some value to the photography community. I'm sure I got something I could share with you. I'm sure I could, I'm sure like this could, maybe I, maybe I'll help some people along the way, but really the main reason I was doing it is I was preparing for the day that I would be on stage at WPPI. This was far before I ever got on stage at WPPI. Um, and when I'm at WPPI, I'm preparing for the day that I'm on stage for a Ted talk. And when I'm at Ted talk, I'm going to be preparing, you know, like it's all practice. And so I sucked. <laughs> I was not good uh, when I first started. But it's just crazy when you put in the reps. Um, no. I mean, I've been doing it for a really long time. And I, maybe the last thing is this, is I believe in the art of speaking. I think a lot of photographers, they are a photographer. That is their identity. And they will begrudgingly teach in order to get to the photography. I love the art of like crafting um, stories and, and crafting like the delivery in order to get the greatest impact. Like I, I, in a lot of ways consider myself equally a a presenter, a speaker, um, in order to get the message across. Oh man. Okay. You just, you just pulled together. Um, so guys that that are listening to this, if you haven't listened to the last, the last two episodes that aired, 
uh, on this podcast are uh, part one and part two with Jonas Peterson. And Jonas talks, says something really similar, Ben, in the sense that he says that like, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially says that, that uh, photography without caption, photography without story is, is, uh, is often very flat. It's very hard to relate to, to humanize. Um, that that it it becomes the caption. Oh, we've said this before in my teaching class, right? I've said that like creativity without caption is just content. Um, mm. That you you have to there has to be context, and sometimes that context is is baked into a photo, but more often than not, that context is something that needs just like a hint of explaining. And I think what you basically just mm. said is that like your career has now been been propped on this practice of of explaining your thought process and then, and then training people to understand theirs. Yes. And it's like explaining my current thought process, going back to the critique, looking to be corrected, like as dumb as I am, (laughs) I'm going to speak and then I'm going to look for the feedback. What is connecting? What did, where did I miss the mark? How can I refine this? Like, what are people attaching themselves to? And, and, and so like, um, it is a, it's a process of communicating in order to learn more about where I'm missing the mark, not just to tell you everything I know, but in order to just like, well, the only way I'm going to find out if this is off or if it's on is just to speak. And so, um, having a community that's been able to be gracious with me and give me that feedback in a, in a space has been awesome. But, and these days I think you're speaking as much, frankly, you're speaking as much on mindset, uh, as you are on, on, you know, actual photography principles. In fact, actually, I, I would say, um, you know, as a member of, of your group, I, as I scroll through, I think probably 80% of the, of the, education that you're building would be something that would relate to people considerably outside of the photo community. I mean, this is something like, you know, really anybody in any creative field or even just in any entrepreneurial field would kind of learn from. I think that's really special that you've gotten there into a fact of saying like, you know, okay, what, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but maybe there's, maybe there's only 2 million photographers in, in, uh, in the U S right. But there's, 200 million people that could benefit from just having like a slap on the butt and say like, Hey, you're doing a good job, but you know, like maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe just like tweak your perspective just a little. Um, I think it's, I think it's valuable that you've, that you've found a way to speak to, you know, to the narrow and to the wide, um, I suppose. Hmm. Okay. So, so then talk me into this idea of you becoming a coach because you've never yeah. stopped shooting, like you've never stepped away from shooting. Um, you've you've mm-hmm. partnered and worked alongside you know some of the biggest brands. You've you've won the biggest awards, and yet I, I feel as though and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel as though you you always intended or hoped to always intend to get into a space where you were just helping other people. So where did that? Where did that light switch happen for you? Hmm. Well, to be fair, you cut out a little bit. Okay. So I'm going to try to connect what you said. Good. Uh, you, I'm going to restate your question. You tell me how far off I am. Yes. You're curious about how I ended up getting into coaching, um, despite the fact that I'm still like photographing and um, that still is an emphasis of mine. Like, wh- where did coaching come from? And, and is that the question? Yes, 100%. Yes, but I said it much more eloquently than that. <laughs> I believe you did as well. Yes. So, um, so for me, uh, this probably requires a little bit of backstory. When I first decided to become a photographer, uh, this was um, when I just graduated from college. Uh, actually, I had been out a year. My wife had just graduated. Um, I was out one year in advance. And, and we got married the week that she graduated. And so... Uh, you already know I was an art major. You know that I married my wife the week after she graduated college. I, I was also in ministry for a couple of years, uh, just like um, mentoring, coaching men in college um, as like a, just as, as a person to stick talk with. I just yeah. essentially listened. And so I was in ministry. And so like those three things, we had student loans against us. We had, uh, well, it, when you're doing ministry, it turns out, uh, 
that it's not the most lucrative thing when you're doing it right. <laughs> we'll just say. And then secondly, is like, or third maybe is like, you know, oil paintings in Ohio, they weren't flying off the shelves at the time. And so we were sitting in, in our one bedroom apartment in a place called Stadium View Apartments. And Stadium View Apartments it sounds lovely. had no view. They, yeah, but they had no view of the stadium. There was no view of Miles. It was a great marketing ploy. I picture a pool that's like three inches deep and has <laughs> like a body laying face down in it. Okay. Okay. I think we've all got the grit. Picture. Yeah. Grit. So, um, so we're sitting there uh, on the bed and, and my wife and I are just kind of brainstorming uh, that first year of marriage. Like, how are we going to make money? <laughs> we were pretty like romantic at the time. Just like, let's just get married. It'll all work. And so now we're married and we're like, how are we going to make money? And so, um, this is when I actually pursued an internship at the video production company that I ended up getting. Uh, I, I went and I got a job as a server. I went and started waiting tables, but I also, it was Leslie's idea to be a photographer. It was Leslie that like spoke it into existence. She's like, Ben, you love people and you're decent at making things look good. Why not be a wedding photographer? So you get to blame her every Saturday when you're gone. And so you get to get, well, this, this is, was your, this is your fault. <laughs> you brilliant. did this. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and so I, I just remember um, we had a, there was a mutual family friend, had some signatures from my wife. It was like the only contact that I was thinking of, right? I was like, who's a, who's a photographer. And I remember reaching out to them. I called them. I remember pacing back and forth on the linoleum floor of the kitchen and I'm um, just pacing back and forth, back and forth. And the phone rings and, and I just wanted to understand what is this industry? Like, who are you people? <laughs> like, what do you, what am I getting into here? Um, I wasn't trying to like extract clients from them or like ask to second shoot. I just was like, Hey, tell me a bit about this photography industry. How has it been going for you? And these were the words that ultimately I think um, lined me up with coaching because I'm expecting Ben, you need a 70 to 200. If you're going to be a portrait photographer, Ben, make sure you got liability insurance. <laughs> uh, and instead I hear on the phone, uh, yeah, man, you're an art major. Don't do it. Just because you think you're good at art doesn't mean you can be a photographer. You will only bring the industry down. And this was at a period of time again, back in 2010. And so there's a big digital push. And so like a lot of the old guard was kind of felt threatened. And so it was just like this push of like, man, everyone's got a camera. Um, I'm tired of having these calls. You like it keeps driving the industry down because it's just getting completely saturated. Don't do it. So that's when I walked back into the bedroom and said, babe, we are starting a photography business. And um to tie this with coaching man, I worked my ass off. Like I was working a full-time job yeah. at the design studio. Uh, I shot 40 weddings that year. Uh, it was the like year one and a half of marriage. So Leslie and I are just both in it. And, um, and we built something. We built something really awesome for ourselves. Um, we just, it dramatically increased our pricing. When I say dramatically, I mean, we rapidly uh, increase our pricing in small increments. So after 40 weddings, we would increase our prices by $100 every booking. 40 mm -hmm. weddings, you, you can see where you'll be at by the end of that yeah. if you're already starting at 1000 And so um, having a successful photography brought me a ton of joy. Being able to provide for my family and and like serve my clients I was stoked. I was happy. I was full of joy. Um, but the words the photographer did was I would only bring the industry down. So there was like this ringing in the back of my mind. And so when people started coming in my area, I was in Toledo, Ohio, because they saw what I had done. They're like, "Hey, can can you teach me something? Can maybe you come over and teach me off camera lighting and stuff?" I was doing one on one, just like full day just coaching with people. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and so my aim started to become, well, this is great for me, but I want to see other people win. I want to see other people uh, like kill it. And so seeing myself win joy, seeing other people win purpose. And so that's always been uh, this, to, uh, to be honest, far more fulfilling thing than photography for me because it's, it's a, like a purpose, like, and it ripples out exponentially and it keeps rippling, not just like for all these other photographers, 
but then it ripples into the clients that they serve lives. And then it ripples into even their kids' lives when they get to like leave a day job. I mean, for me, I think too, it's like to give people the ability to say no. I think a lot of photographers stuck, like they're stuck in crappy relationships. They're stuck at a crappy job. They're stuck um, in a place in life um, because they're tied to the finances of whatever that brings. And to be able to empower someone to be able to leave these spaces um, I just see this rippling. That's what I mean when I say purpose. Listen, I love photography. It's great. It's fun. Yeah. It makes me happy. Uh, but if I never take another picture again, I think I'm going to be okay. As long as I can still make, which is like, this is making, man. Like this is, I get to create right now. This is photography to me and that I'm creating, I'm making, I'm like, it's all new. It's fun. I get to put something out there into the world and like get feedback on it. As long as I'm making, I'm happy. But as long as I'm serving people and seeing them make, then it's like, man, really clear purpose. Mm, what a beautiful, well, honestly, I, I'm not kidding when I say it, like a beautiful way to put that. Because I, I would say, um, especially knowing the industry as intimately as you do and the sheer number of, you're one of the more connected people that I know that in this industry. So the sheer number of people that you know at the top and and all the way through, like the mid-level people that are struggling or figuring out their voice, and then people that just picked up a you know a camera at Costco yesterday. Um, I think the the question that most of our industry is struggling right now with is purpose. It's 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 not you know like people are mistaken often, and and I I think you could probably correct me if you think I'm wrong there, and I would believe you, but. I, I see people as often being mistaken by things like, I don't know what to charge, or I don't know where to start, or, you know, is it okay that I just like shooting natural light? Or what happens if I'm not shooting just at golden hour? Like people come up with all of these questions that aren't the question. And the question is, why does this matter? Like, why does this job fulfill you? And why does it add value to the people around you? And if, in fact, there is purpose to this job, then what is that purpose worth? And, uh, and I think that you're one of the very few people in the industry right now that are answering, are answering that question for people. But the, but the unifying thing, Ben, that, that, that has been throughout now 24 episodes of this, of this very young podcast has been this, this question. I've, I've asked two questions in, in different words than every single guest. The first question has been okay. essentially like, how did you find purpose? And we've heard all kinds of things, right? We've heard Alison Coughlin basically say like her mom died. And the, the only way she was able to bond with her father after the death of her mother was, was developing old negatives of her mom together. They, they built a darkroom. And so she found purpose in seeing the value of like mm -hmm. memory, right? And then... Uh, Phil Porto has has found purpose in the fact that it's like you know his his battles all the way through health stuff. He, he's been able to process all of that and serve people from a ministry perspective. And what I think is beautiful is the fact that you just said that your your purpose has been to kind of a dichotomy. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but this this split this parallel concept of like I want to make and I want to serve. Man, that what a powerful like what a powerful perspective just on life. Be able to say like, you want to be able to create something that you're proud of, but then you want that to have value to other people as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's just sort of a, a remarkably mature way to, to go about it. But so then this, I think, ties us into where, where I really wanted to head with this chat. The next question because everybody, everybody that we've talked to has had purpose. They've found it somehow. They've, they've waded through the mud and say like, okay, throughout the course of my career, I have found that this is my purpose. But then the next question has been, so where did you find community to share that purpose with? And, and I want to know from you because you've created You've been the one person that we've talked to that has created the community. So, oh man, there's so many ways we could go with this right now. Um, finding purpose. Let's talk about that for a second. I think a lot of times, like, let's talk about finding purpose in regards to like the parallel of like finding confidence. 
I think a lot of times uh, people might be listening to this. I'm like, well, I don't have a purpose and I'm trying to figure myself out. And so, or maybe the parallel of confidence is like, man, I just, I wish I was more confident. I'm listening to these two guys speak right now. I just wish I had the confidence to hop on a microphone and to speak like these two. I wish I had more confidence. And what can I do to like discover that for myself, to build it? And I think the more that we try to find purpose for ourselves is the same thing that happens when we try to find more confidence in ourselves. The more emphasis that I put on my life and myself and obtaining what I'm up to, it seems like the slippery it becomes. And the more it gets away from me. It's like, if you want to elevate your confidence, like one of the best ways to do it is just to like pour value into other people. It's like, get off yourself. Yeah. Go try to like build value into other people. And it's kind of wild what'll happen. If you can pour confidence into other people, uh, it, it seems to like manifest itself back in you. And in the same way with purpose, like if I can help other people find purpose, it's like this, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg thing. And so for me, I, I didn't, I wasn't always driven by purpose. Um, I knew that uh, I wanted to elevate the industry because someone said I couldn't. And so the very first in, initial kind of community that formed from that was, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to start interviewing people and at least kind of democratizing, uh, is that the right word? Democratize? <laughs> Help me with the word. <laughs> democratizing. Thank you. But I like democratizing better. I, I like it too. I think yeah. it's brilliant. Um, so democratizing, did I get it? Sure. Sounds good to cool. me. Yeah. The information. And so um, I was interviewing people on the podcast just to get get out data, just to get out ideas and thoughts from other people before I ever really took the mic to be like, Hey, listen to me now. <laughs> so I just kind of like gathered other people and like put it out there. And the more that I put it out to other people, uh, it, it seemed to start like showing back up in me. Like the purpose started to build in me uh, as I brought it out to the masses. And so the, the podcast was probably the very first thing. And then eventually I was like, well, I, I guess I need like a place for these people to like talk because podcasts are oftentimes one way streets. It's like, y'all are listening to us talk right now. And we're not listening to you. And that's fine. It's, it's the media, but like the medium, but, but I want to hear you. I want to hear the listeners. I want to hear their feedback and stuff. And so that's when I made the Facebook group. Um, again, I think the Facebook group now is probably close to seven years, maybe something like that. Um, old where I was just inviting people to hop on in there. It's like, if you want to join the community, I'll be there. And that's where I began then the process of practicing just showing up live for, I, I mean, Again, I, uh, the group currently right now, and I think people get this twisted a lot. The group currently has over 23,000 people in that. Uh, of those 23,000, I think about 18,000 or no, actually more now. It's probably close to 20,000 of the 23 have shown up in the last 18 months. <laughs> and I've been doing it for seven years, my dude. Yeah. I, I'm just sharing this because it's like the, it's the classic overnight success. Like, uh, no, it's fairy dust. It's like, well, I was just showing up. Yeah. Whether 10 people were watching, one person was watching, a hundred people watching. I was showing up. Okay. That, I think that speaks really highly. One of your character, but also of your resolve. Um, though to say like, you know, you know, this is valuable. And, and if you're learning, I mean, that's, that's one thing I've, what I've, I've learned from, from hosting this podcast is, is I'm learning just as much, you know, right alongside like every, anybody that, that has the audacity to listen to this, um, that's fantastic. But man, I would do it if nobody ever did just to have the opportunity to kind of soak up this information right alongside you. And you know, this story, but no, I, nobody else does. So I'm going to say it. Um, man, I, I think I wrote you for the first time. I actually just scrolled back through. I was curious. I scrolled back through to find what is the top of our, what's the first time that I wrote you uh, <laughs> what is it? On, on Instagram. And, uh, and it was, um, early 2019. I, I wrote you, okay. but here's the funny thing is I had already, I think at that point I had already been listening to the podcast, your podcast to the six figure photographer podcast for uh, probably a year to a year and a half. But I remember writing you and feeling so stupid writing you, but saying like, okay, hey, Ben, I hate mowing my yard. 
Like, dude, I, I hate, I loathe. I live in Arkansas, you guys. Like, it is 180 degrees and 192% humidity in the summer. I loathe mowing my yard. And the one thing that I learned that would help make mowing my yard less miserable was if I saved the Six Figure Photography podcast and put that on and then just sat there and kind of soaked up whether or not I agreed or disagreed, whether you were... It didn't matter to me who you were interviewing. Mm -hmm. It was just this opportunity for me to like um, plug in and unplug at the same time. If that makes sense. But I think here's, yeah. here's the fascinating thing. Um, I wrote you the first time I'm looking right here. I wrote you in June. I actually didn't hear back until October. That's not a knock on you. That's just, I think it probably took <laughs> some time for you to be like, what? We should actually talk about that. This is weird, Miles, because I don't care that you mow your yard. Um, but one of the first conversations that you and I ever really had, and I think this says so much about you, was not you sending me over a typed out message that said like, dear fanboy from Arkansas, thanks for taking the time to give me a five-star review. But it was a, a video, a series of videos actually on Instagram of you, and I'll, I'll never forget this, of you in this pink bow tie in a suit you were driving, which isn't safe, Ben Hartley. <laughs> you, were drive, you were driving, but potentially driving. You looked like you were probably parked in a parking lot, but the car was still moving. Anyway, um, <laughs> on your way to a wedding and you, and you just wrote me or sent me this message that basically said like, Hey, Miles, dude, thank you so much for taking the time to like reach out. And it was one of the most personable responses um, I've ever received from any photographer that I look up to. And I, I tell this long-winded story to say, prior to uh, June of 2019, I would I would go as far as to say only a couple of people had any idea who I really was. Um, I was sort of on the upfront, like the the landing pad of of this like silly rocket launch that I've gone on in the last two years with Fujifilm and and all of the stuff. But you were one of the first people that reached, me, reached back out to me and really humanized me and basically said like, hey, I really appreciate the time that you took to tell me. How many... I want people to hear this. How many times a day and how much time per day are you spending humanizing the people that are reaching out to you like that? Yeah. Uh, probably an... I'd say I start my day off... And so probably an hour. I start my day off... Um, just replying to any of the DMs that I've gotten. And and nine times out of 10, it's either a video or an audio message um, because I want people to know, like, it's not a bot texting them something. It's um, it's not my VA. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's me. Like, uh, well, let's talk through this stuff. Um, and so, but it's probably an hour. And, and during that hour is also when I'm like making my morning reel. Like I mm. make a Instagram reel five days a week. I, I try to at least. Um, Unless there's a snow day, <laughs> anyhow. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's probably that's probably an hour a day when I'm when I'm kind of catching up. I, yeah. the, the reason I asked that is because you you told me at one point we were tra writing back and forth, and I, I could scroll down. The messages, guys, now are very long. It would take me forever to find this. But um, but you were telling me at one point. I think that you said that you had what was it? it was it was like over a hundred videos that you had sent that day, and it may have yeah. been you were a part of I you you announced something with abundance or, or booked solid or something, but you had sent like a hundred plus videos that day. Yeah. That's exhausting. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, it can't be, this is why purpose has to be the driving force. It can't be money. It can't be like the, yeah, there's gotta be something more driving the train. Uh, otherwise you're going to run out of fuel. And, and let me, let's pause on this for a hot second. Can I also let you guys know in on something that's really important to understand? There's a reason that you didn't get a message back for I don't know how many months. Um, I have never used social media. I've never used Instagram because I, I have a Facebook group, but I've never used Instagram to grow my photography business uh, nor um, my coaching business until about... I started to mess around the middle of 2019. And then even then I didn't post until it was after 2020, 20, I think I started Instagram reels, um, as my first ever foray into Instagram, uh, was like mid 2021, something like that. And 
so when you hear me say like, I'm doing a reel a day right now, like I didn't build it with Instagram and you don't have to either. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, I've only really started can't to do that because these days to be frank, yeah. like the fact that you are is remarkable because well, and it's just because all the systems are in place now. It's a yeah. well-oiled machine, my dude. You know, yeah. like, so like things are firing off. And so like I have, I haven't gotten now the ability to kind of like do this. And it finally connected with me. I never used Instagram. I know this is ironic because I'm a photographer. I didn't like the platform. Mm-hmm. I like, I couldn't, I was never inspired enough to actually use it and to post and like to do stuff with it. So I didn't ever use it. And then Reels came out and you either love them or you hate them. And like for me and just like my quirky brain, like for me, it's a way to just like be silly. Yeah. Like to be like, sometimes the comment, the comments, like I get a lot of hate on them too. You know, like I get a lot of love, but I get a lot of hate. Like the amount of times I've seen someone say like cringe, it's like, yeah, I just want to make like 15 second, seven second, funny, sometimes cringy, ridiculous videos that I just get to like laugh at myself and maybe entertain along the way. And, um, but I didn't really start engaging social media until it finally connected with how, um, I operate. It's like align yourself with the things, the tools that like are connected to your personality. There are so many ways to get clients. There's so many ways and you don't have to like fall on the sword every time. Now, maybe you got to swallow the pill every now and then and like do hard things uh, if you want to get the work, you know? Um, but there's probably a way that can be a little bit more in line with your personality. I digress. I just want to, I think it gets twisted when you hear people, you know, you hear me say like seven, five days a week doing reels and stuff. It, that was more of like the culmination of what already is rather than in order to build it. Yeah. I don't think that's a digression though. I think it's an important thing to point out, honestly. I mean, like if, if we were to give, um, and I want to ask you this question kind of flat out, but I'm going to restate what I think you just said, which is essentially like, if you could give a piece of advice, just like free advice to people, uh, you know, photographers trying to figure out, you know, do I need TikTok? Do I need Snapchat? Do I need Instagram? Do I need like, do I have to show up in all of these places in unique ways every day in order to be successful? And I think what you just said is like, well, if there's not purpose behind it, then why bother? Right, like if it if it doesn't align with with who you are as as an individual and who your brand is and where you're headed, I I say that because I I get into this argument with people all the time, frequently, when they find out that I'm still blogging, that I still blo- I, I still blog, you know, at least weekly, um, and frequently a couple of times a week, and people say one, you know, like who even reads it anymore? I'm like, well, you'd be surprised. But two, you know, well, you have to worry about SEO cannibalization and you have to worry about, you know, all of this stuff. I'm like, guys, I've been a storyteller for 15 years. And I love, I love the way blogging gives me access to that. So that's I've created a stubborn practice of saying, like, no, I'm I'm gonna blog what's on my mind. I I wanna ask though, I just want to ask bluntly. What advice, I guess, do you have then for people that are that are trying to struggle through this idea of like, what is marketing? What is purpose? What is creating, you know, a, a financial means to an end for my family? What is art? What is passion? How do you, how do you collide all these things? Like, where do you start in this mindset coaching of saying like, calm down? Hmm. Well, I think with a bit of there's a bit of sympathy here because it, it, I, this all is great. And yet there still is like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like some people, they still got to pay rent. And if they don't pay rent there, then their kids are going to have to find a new home or they got to get food on the table or like there's real financial concerns that, that I am aware of that can and should take precedence over purpose. Like massive hierarchy of needs is like, you've got to have like your, um, like your basic human needs met. And then you can get into like your, your like shelter and your safety and then relationships. And then it's like your actualization, your self-actualization, which I think in a lot of ways we're talking about is in relationship to purpose. It's Mm -hmm. like you becoming the greatest version of yourself, the highest, um, version of yourself. Uh, And, and so for some people, my answer is, um, you should probably get a day job. You should yeah. probably get a side job while you're building the business. If, if like you've got other people responsible and you're full time right now and you've quit and you're trying to like make a go at this thing and you're, you're terrified that you can't support 
yourself or the people who rely on you, then you may want to get a job while you build your business. Now, the job that you get, maybe it's like you, you try to find the job that requires the least amount of energy from you or gives you the greatest opportunity to continue to build the dream that you do have. Don't get one that's going to like consume every waking moment and all of your energy if possible, right? If possible. Um, so, so maybe it's that, or maybe it's like, well, okay, great. So you, you don't need to get a day job. Maybe everyone's situation is different, but it's like, maybe you got to do stuff you don't want to do. Yeah. And maybe you got to do stuff that other people aren't doing who are at a different stage of life. Like I currently right now am not posting to Craigslist. When I started off, I was posting to Craigslist. I was like, Hey, <laughs> I'm just starting this thing. And so I am going to be really cheap because I really am going to treat your session as a test shoot. And so 50 bucks and I will come take some engagement pictures for you. Like I was just so open and honest about it. Um, but like maybe if the alternative is you sitting on your hands, maybe you do some like unconventional hard stuff, you swallow it and just like get to work. Um, but just don't stay there, man. And I think that's the, that's the fear. That's like, that's why I tell people, if you're going to come in under market, if you're going to do things that uh, aren't feeding your soul, like you've got to make commitments to not stay there. And one of the ways that you can do that is, um, one commitment that I made again to myself is like every single time, like I came in, man, I was doing, I started off my very first wedding was $300. And then I just kind of kept moving up from there, 500, then 700. And then I think I started, then I got it to a grand. But like, um, after a grand, it was like, I know I'm way undercutting every other photographer in the city. I know that this is not sustainable. I know I can't continue to pay my bills if I only charge $1,000. And yet I know the game that I'm playing. I understand the game that I'm playing and I'm not going to stay here. It's cool that I'm here right now, but I ain't staying here. Mm -hmm. And so every single wedding that I booked, I made a commitment to myself. I'm moving my pricing up. Sometimes it was hundred dollars. Sometimes it's 200. Occasionally it'd be 300. Right. And I just like kept chipping away. So you can't stay there. I think a lot of times we get so terrified when we get scared that if we move our pricing up, we'll, we'll lose everybody. You've got to build some confidence, competency. I'm sorry. Confidence comes from competence. And so like the more yeses you can get under your belt, like you just, okay, I can move my prices up. I can. Mm -hmm. So don't jump on 500. Don't double them. Don't go up a thousand, man, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. You'll be surprised at where you'll be at after a year of doing that from where you were when you first began. And, and the whole while, um, it's just going to change all of your marketing strategies. You're going to actually have budget to start doing things that do align with your purpose. Mm. Man, that's a that's such a powerful. I mean, there are so many lessons learned. I think anybody that's listening, listening, the fact that like often we look at these photographers, you being a perfect example, we look at these photographers that have become very successful, and we forget the incremental growth, right? So it feels as though um, either it's been this sort of like steady climb, right? Like, well, it just took a while for people to to realize how good they are, or it's been like this overnight boost, right? It's like, you know, but like when I was talking to John Branch about that, right? Um, you know, like two years ago, nobody knew who John Branch was. And now every, he just won the rising 30 and he has 125,000 subscribers on YouTube and he's just exploded. And what I thought was fascinating chatting with him was this sense that, and I told him this, I said, I, I get the feeling that you've been training in your head. You've been training for success from day one. Like the expectation for you was always to be successful, um, but you were willing to put in the work and the time that it would take to get there. And I mean, what a cool, talk about mindset coaching, like what a cool and powerful way to look at, at your future and say like, you know, I'm going to incrementally climb. I'm just going to incrementally. So I, I went about uh, from a similar perspective from you. I actually did jump pretty large chunks at a time but not with confidence. And so what I ended up doing was things like, you know, okay, um, you know, I'm going to charge $3,000 for a wedding. And then like next year, I'm going to, I am, I'm going to try and charge $7,000 for a wedding, but I'm going to build in $5,000 worth of product. Like, and because I, I didn't have the confidence, I was like, you know, I know I want to charge more, but I'm going to just give more away and just give and give and give. It, it took me a long time to sit back, um, and look at my work objectively and say, 
okay, this work, it has to have value. It has to, like, I have to have the confidence to, to put out into the market what it's worth for me to invest this kind of time, not for the product, but for the experience, the service that I'm providing. And the byproduct of that service is the product that I deliver. Um, it took me a long time to wrap my mind around that. Uh, so, okay, dude. So, what comes next for Ben Hartley? I mean, mm. you're you're on this you're on this climb. We've all watched it. Um, you've you've won the awards. You're you're moving to Florida, right? Yes. Um, That's <laughs> warmth comes next. Yes, you're moving to Florida. You've got this beautiful family. Um, you know. You've got all the pieces in place. So where are you headed? Yeah. Um, well, I'm not going anywhere. I can tell you that much. I, uh, I'm, I'm looking to just continue to do what I'm doing uh, with just more uh, intentionality. You know, like a lot of times you just like you're fumbling your way through things. You're just like, I'm just going to keep hitting it with a hammer. And so my tools are becoming a little bit more refined in terms of like what I'm hitting it with, you know? And so maybe now I'm like, I got some really like a fine tooth combs I'm working on. But like, um, I'm just going to keep showing up. I think that's my motto for 2022 is keep showing up. Uh, and uh, I've just noticed really that I think after being in this space now for so long and, and equipping photographers with all the right tools, I'm still amazed by the amount of people who have all of the right things to do. They know what to do. They know what it takes. And yet they wake up each morning and they mess it all up because they're just themselves Cause they're just, this is me. It's like what I do. It's like, I, my, I get in my own way. It's because like when, uh, when things are off my mood is off. And like when my relationships with my kids are off, when my relationship with my wife is off, like the work doesn't get done in the business. And so like, I'm, I'm just recognizing that, um, really the mindset conversation is a, like, it's the piece that, um, it's easy to ignore and it's easy to kind of just like dismiss as like, eh, it's not really that important and just seeing really how important it is. And so just looking to bring that more and more into the conversation. Um, and so, um, got trained, uh, two years back as a transformational coach and just kind of continuing that work, continuing to learn, um, and then bring it more into this space. So that's, that's my aim. Mm, I love it. Guys, if, if you're, you listen to this and you haven't clicked over yet um, down in the show notes and obviously kind of all over the, wherever this is posted and shared uh, we'll make sure that there's links to how you can connect with Ben. Um, whether that's joining his, his, uh, his Facebook group or um, you know, being a part of workshops and, and, uh, and projects that he has going on or, or whatever that is. But I will say firsthand, I I've, I've received um and they've been fleeting moments, but they've been powerful. They've been they've been transformational for me. I've received a few tidbits of incredible advice from you over the last several years. Um, you know, we we've come a long way from me fanboying you in, in 2019. And and it means it means the world to me. But but what I'm what I mean by that is I think anybody that's listening that doesn't have that person in their life. Um, and it doesn't need to just be a person. I, I think that's actually a misconception. But I, that doesn't have a community of people that are that are educating and pouring into to you that are looking at you objectively and saying like, you know, I don't know if that was the best decision. Um, and that aren't looking at your at your fine art and critiquing you. You know, that that aren't sitting in there and saying like, hey, um, your good should be better and your better should be better. Um, I, I would really challenge you guys to get out and get after that. Ben, ben has looked at me a couple of times. He asked me, he, you pinned me down in Las Vegas. You're like, hey, Miles, what are you charging? It was one of the most uncomfortable. Like, you don't, those are the questions you don't like. That's like asking what color underwear I have on, Ben. <laughs> What's your and, annual salary, uh, Miles? What investments do you have? Let's, yeah, let's talk. seriously. <laughs> like, what are your thoughts on Bitcoin? And, and, and yet the conversation went like this. You guys that are listening, the conversation went like this. I stumbled over an answer, even though I know perfectly well what I'm charging. I stumbled over an answer. Ben took it with grace because he knew that I was only stumbling over the answer because I wasn't confident with what I was charging. And then he bounced back with the most beautiful answer ever that said, uh, raise your pricing and basically grow some. Uh, 
And I was like, <laughs> I think I said, you can have your cake and eat it too. You gave me a lot of excuses for why you don't charge enough. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, you can have both. Mm-hmm. I digress. <laughs> well, I did though. And so I, I think there's, I uh, mean, there's a, there's so much value there. So, okay, Ben, dude, um, let us know really quick. How, how can we best like photographers in here? How can we best engage and, and tap into all that you have going on? One place, just go to benhartley.com forward slash mastermind benhartley.com forward slash mastermind. That'll drop you over to the group. Um, every single Tuesday I do zoom calls for any new member inside the group. And so Tuesdays I'm on zoom with you, just kind of sharing all the places where all my information is, how to get the most out of it. Um, free workshops. I'll just drop you links to all the stuff that you need. And so, um, yeah, Tuesdays I just do my zoom calls with all the new members. Um, would love to see you there. So yeah, benhartley.com forward slash mastermind. And, uh, and you guys can honestly, you can also find me over there just surfing in the, in the masses because it's fun for me to, this is where I get to be anonymous and still learn, to be honest. It <laughs> really is. <laughs> I love seeing you pop in, man. It's awesome. Every, I, yeah, I try and, I try and be candid because there's, there's a few people listen. There's a couple people over in my group. I'm not going to say names, but the like sarcastically comment on every single post, but these are, they're pro, mm-hmm. they're, they're like proven pros, right? They're, they're like, oh yeah. So they're, like Paul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Paul. Um, <laughs> but these are people that's like, when you're sarcastic, you immediately devalue the whole thing. So it's like, hey, no one to shut up. Um, and yeah, that isn't yeah, Paul. Yeah. Paul's just quiet in my group, which is uh, welcome. But there are a few people, right? That are like, you know, they, they'll drop nothing but emojis. And I'm like, okay, that wasn't exactly helpful. So I try to be, yep. I try to be supportive. But um, man, I, I spend more time in there than I lead on. I'll be honest, Ben. Um, and, uh, and anybody that's listened to this podcast for a while knows the backstory to the, and I, I love that I get to tell you this, like face sort of face to face, hopefully someday face to face soon. Um, but the, the early caveat, the, uh, the, the, the decision maker to this podcast existing, this is the third iteration of me having a podcast, but the, the decision maker to this podcast happening was Jared sitting down with me and basically saying like, Hey, um, you're not happy just being a photographer. You, you want to pour into people's lives. Like you, you've got things that you want to say, you've got conversations that you want to have, and it's time to go there. And the very first step for me before buying the mics and suddenly saying like, okay, well, let's go, was me then going back and re-listening to Six Figure Photographer and saying like, if I can't do this, maybe not at this level, but if I can't do this with this level of articulation and this level of purpose, mm-hmm. I'm not interested. And so thank you for paving the the road. I, I'm assuming there's probably a lot of us um, that are that are behind a mic right now and probably have every right to be, but we can thank you for for sort of going through the scary stuff and giving us a roadmap to follow. Thanks, man. It's awesome. I'm glad you are. I'm glad you're taking it. Um, so and I also raised my prices. Um, <laughs> I'm eating cake every day now, everyone. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey, um, if you've stuck it out this far, uh, make sure you click down in the show notes and uh, and check out Ben, connect with Ben. Also, um, I would love if you would not only join Ben's fantastical information group um, and go to benhartley.com slash mastermind, but also click over and join us in the Photographic Collective. Um, yeah, we've got some cool stuff coming up and some cool uh, opportunities for people to grow and learn. And uh, And guys, thank you. Thank you for, for showing up and for investing your time, your energy, um, and, uh, and your humility in, into what, what it means to grow and learn in this industry. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with somebody special, I'm sure. But they won't be nearly <laughs> as cool as Ben Hartley. Stop. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Miles. Thanks, buddy. 